The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. family i'm your girl tamika d mallory it's your boy my son the general and we are your hosts of street politicians the, the place, place where the streets, streets and politics meet so mice man you know um crazy weekend crazy weekend the craziest thing happened to me that nobody knew about a secret process that i have been in for the last several months you know, uh, pledging, as they say, and, and being sort of head down, focused on joining a sisterhood. And as of this past weekend, I am now a proud member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, the side Beta Omega chapter in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I'm super happy in, in this weekend. One of the most incredible things that could have happened to me among 41 beautiful women who are now my sisters, um, our uh, international president who holds the highest position within the sorority came to Knoxville to be at our ceremony. And she also pinned me, um, which is really special. The person that pins you is a current, AKA a, a, a member for some time, who you asked to come and pin you as a new AKA. And, uh, you know, I was privileged to have uh, our international president, Glenda Glover, to do that. And I believe that, you know, she, uh, you know, sees me as someone who's a real leader and, and someone who is trying to make change for our community. And I found out over the last several weeks that this is the sorority of Rosa Parks. Um, and mm -hmm. so I am proud to be in, in her stead, you know, and, and following in her, her footsteps. So that happened to me this past weekend. Well, congratulations, man. You know, that's, it sounds like something that, um, is worthy that you're worthy of, first of all. And, you know, that's, that's something that's dope. I don't really follow the, oh, I got to get into that. You know, I, 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 I kinda, you know, I got to learn a little, but, you know, it seems like, I've seen a lot of the pictures that you posted, you know, a lot of the women, and I hear a lot of women that we know who are part of the fraternity. And the all... sorority, sorority, bruh. Okay. I apologize. The fraternity the sorority is the, is men, the men 
See, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I, I can say I don't know. Me either. Me I'm either. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm it's learning. Sorority. Yes. There's yes. A lot you of have family that, members that yes, are on I my page. Family members. I have mm-hmm. friends, a lot of women. All of them are upstanding, you know, dope women. So, you know, and you're supposed to be a part of that. So congratulations. The AKAs, um, this is they were the first sorority. Mm. First sorority. So it's the first family and um, everybody else came after us. So I'm proud to be a part of that. We're pink and green. We get 20 pearls. Um, and I have a lot of people who are in the divine nine in general. So just so you know, as a part of education, the divine nine uh, includes all of the different sororities and fraternities, the sigmas and the zetas and the deltas. Um, they're all a part of the divine nine. So it is a family of people who are in the Greek letter organization. Um, but, you know, there are specific uh, entry points, if you will, and homes that we have. And mine is AKA, but I have lots of friends who are Deltas and Zetas and I love them all. So, you know, it's a, it's a yet another phase in my life. I, you know, turned 40 years old and a lot of things happened. For me, the release of my book, State of Emergency, um, you know, me joining uh, this sorority. So, you know, life is in progress. Um, life is about both your, I think it's, it's, it's got to be about your personal and your professional and our communities and just making sure that you stay grounded in all of those things. Um, And I know that there are people out there who say, well, what do the Greek letter organizations do for me? And, you know, how are they involved? And I've thought about that a lot because I do want to ensure I'm also a link, which is another organization that has lots of professional women. You have to be invited to become a link. I'm very proud of being in that organization as well. And one of the things about the way that um, white supremacy operates and the way that laws and rules have been established is that in order to maintain your 501c3 status, you have to be very careful about how politically engaged you are in particular issues. And that's not just Um, sororities and fraternities. That's any 501c3 organization, um, which includes churches uh, and, you know, some of these foundations and otherwise. So you have, they are very, very strict on the rules of how you can be politically engaged. You have to be very careful not to be lobbying or supporting candidates um, under your C3 status. And so oftentimes there is conflict and conflict that I am one who intends to be a real advocate for us looking at ways to change it and pushing it as close as possible to um, making sure that we're not so caught up in our incorporation status that we are less concerned or, or, or not as much engaged in our community status, right? So I'm one of those people who will definitely be fighting for that. But what I will say is that while people may not be wearing their colors, right? Because pink and green is my color and the deltas have red and blue and you know different ones have different colors. The one thing that 
you do see is that many of the people out here fighting from Dr. King to Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee to, uh, as I said, Rosa Parks, and the list goes on and on. Even people who are currently on the ground today, they are members of these of the Divine Nine. Ben Crump, these are people who are members of the Divine Nine, but you don't necessarily see their colors on them at a protest. But people should not think in any way that it means that those individuals are removed from the movement because they are very much so engaged. Um, and I think what we have to find a way to do is to be able to show more of those individuals and their support that is notwithstanding or that is that is separate and apart from the exact, you know, the organization, but allows them to be uh, to let it be known that we as we may be, we're members, um, but nonetheless, I'm not here in an official capacity, but as a member, I do still support my community. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a tough balance and we have to figure it out. But I think that's one of the reasons why I was invited is to help us figure out in such crazy times, how do we not just as an AKA, not just in that organization, but in all of our organizations, find ways to help even more to fight for our communities. Well, congratulations. And I know that if that can be done, then you're going to get it done. So, <laughs> you know, I look forward to seeing the engagement of the Divine Nine in our community, you know, led by, you know, efforts that I know that you will definitely hold them to because you ain't going to sit around and play. I'm going to have to say something here and there when stuff is going on. They so. do, though. They do. You know what I know? I know. But you're going to make sure they that they're they visible. Right. They're on the right. hill. Uh, constantly engage in Congress. Uh, they're, they're doing those things, but there's a style that we like. Yeah. And, and, and that's where the conflict comes in, that people want a certain style. And I think, you know, it's a testament to what uh, the AKAs are attempting to do by bringing more people like me into the organization. So I'm excited about my um, journey this new journey in my life. So you know what I was thinking about today? It's totally off topic for this show that we have coming up. And then you <laughs> and you know that um, you know the, the guests that we have uh, that we're going to be bringing on today is really really important. In fact, we decided not to have two guests because sometimes when we try to fit in the two guest piece. It seems like it just cuts um, the ability to really focus, hone in. And I think as we're getting into this political season, which politics is every season, but this is about to be a real, um, uh, uh, it's going to be a heavy lift for people, especially since they got nothing to claim that they've done for us and for our communities. And we've, but people still are in elected office. There's still work to be done. And so we're giving um, the, gen the gentleman that's coming on with us today uh, full time to be able to talk to us. So, um, but as just this other sort of crazy thought that came to me. So lately I've really been trying to take care of myself. I am trying to eat better. I'm trying to, uh, you know, drink my teas and, just do all the things that's necessary for my body, my mind, and my spirit. 
Because, you know, at 40, which I don't know if you experienced this or not, because you're very, very healthy. But I know, especially for women, once we turn 40, we begin to see real shifts. Like, you know that I've gotten older. It's not a bad thing because I feel the sexiest and the the brightest and the best that I've ever felt because I'm grown for real now. But I still can also sense that my body is telling me, hey, we got to change some of our habits. We can't eat and get in the bed. You know, we got to do things different. So I just I was thinking as I, I had to pack, I was traveling um, and I had to pack my teas because you can't find turmeric. You know, it's like we live in a society that this is not what they serve us, right? You can't go to the McDonald's and get some turmeric, ginger, and pineapple tea that mm-hmm. deals with inflammation in the body. They don't have that. They don't have whole foods everywhere. We go to food deserts where you might not even be able to find a good supermarket. So I'm like packing teas and packing cranberry pills and doing all of that. And I'm like, why is it that everything that's good for us, this is really my thought of the day. Why is it that everything that's good for us tastes so damn bad? Like everything that's like really, really good for you. They tell you eat avocado. I hate avocado. All of the stuff that's like super, super good for you. It it, it doesn't taste good. I was like thinking watermelon. Okay, I'm going to eat fruits. I'm going to eat watermelon. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat that. People are like, that's a bunch of sugar. Huh? This is what I like. Everything that's really good for you doesn't really taste that good. Yeah, I think I think it's because we've trained our, our taste buds. Because you don't know what tastes good until you actually start training your taste buds. And that's why different people, different cultures eat different foods. They've trained their taste buds to a certain seasoning, certain flavors. You know, some kids, I watched my man's daughter, she's been vegan her whole life. She never ate meat. You understand what I'm saying? So trying to me trying to stop my kids from eating chicken is like cutting their head off. They're like, what? No, chicken, chicken. So when you're trying to stop, when you when you give them something and you your your taste buds get trained to it, it's really hard to retrain your taste buds, especially at 40. You know, you've been eating what you've been eating, you know how you want your food season, you know how your mother usually cooked it. If there's a taste bud a sensation that comes from that so mm-hmm. now you're trying to give your body things that ain't seasoned ain't got no sugar in it and all of this stuff is a problem excuse me i eat seasonal i ain't, i ain't, i ain't get all the way there yet you know yeah. i think there's another transition probably around 50 that you have to go through of some other things but for now i don't i'm not saying i want like I, i'm not one of these people that add salt I don't believe in like getting the salt and adding it to my food. I don't, I see people put salt on like fried chicken. Then you know you're killing yourself. If you actually put grains of salt on your fried food or on your steak, I try not to do that. But I definitely want to eat food that tastes good. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is your definition of taste good comes from, you know, these taste buds being exposed to certain seasonings. In, in, in food your whole life. So it's, it's going to be a process, man. Retraining retraining your body to do what's best for it instead of what's best to it is very hard. Just like rest. Rest, you when you sit there and you're not doing nothing, you relax, it ain't the most healthiest for your body all the time. Because if you're not working out certain muscles, you're not moving them, the pain that comes with it, you don't like it. It's like, yo, I don't want to be in pain. 
but you see the results. So you gotta you gotta balance it. Just like even in food, you gotta balance. You gotta give yourself a little bit of the stuff that you know tastes good, but the majority of it gotta be the stuff that's best for it. Yeah. Well, we need to take. You know what we should do? We should we should rent a kitchen studio setup and let Kepra come and show us because she keeps telling me if you have black rice and you cook it with instead of water you cook it with chicken broth it it adds taste to it now that's one of the things that my my mom when she um, was diagnosed with diabetes uh, many years ago and they changed everything they changed the way they cook they didn't she didn't take the medicine route which is why you and I argue so much about the vaccine and COVID and this and that and the third, but you know good and well that from my family's perspective, they're not like run to get a flu shot and vaccine type of people. They're just not, never have been. When my mom was diagnosed with diabetes, instead of them saying, okay, let's take all of this medicine, she took what she absolutely had to and the rest of it it all came from them throwing out everything that was in the refrigerator and changing the way they eat, the way they season food, all of that. So now everything is low sodium. They have found different brands um, and ways that they cook. And sometimes I'm not going to lie, you know, I taste some stuff and I'm like, dang, this is really, you know, it's kind of, it's not as, it, it's not as, um, it's not as seasoned to your point, but um, but still they have found a way to make their food taste pretty good and pretty much the same, but using different and more healthy um, uh, options. And Kepra, that is her position that you can make all of it taste good. You just have to know how to cook it. And I think we should shoot a show that is on health that really just kind of shows us what it is that we need in order to be healthy. Since you're already into it, but I'm learning now. What's the process, man? And I think that'd be dope. Kepra's, you know, she's definitely dope in that regards and just telling you it's healthy mentally, physically, spiritually. So I'm definitely all for that, man. We got to get Kepra up here and give us a little class. Give us a class. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that could become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36 month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other 
other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. That's how we own it! So, my son, as usual, we have a friend that is joining us on Street Politicians today. Um, You know, I don't know. I think we got to find a way to brand that. Our friends are joining us because we have so many friends doing really, really powerful things. And um, I'm really today I'm I'm starstruck. You know, I don't get starstruck about a lot, but I'm starstruck because the person that's joining us um, is someone that is very powerful, very brilliant um, and very much so committed to our people, our communities. And I'm so happy that I watched um, as my mom, you know, right around the time that he was um, running for office, my mom had had her stroke. She was, um, you know, just kind of like getting herself back in, in, in place, if you will, and moving around in her community. And when it was time for her to go out and vote that day, she was like, no, I don't want to do absentee. I don't want to do any of that. I want to go to the polls for this young man because I believe in him. Um, And that's none other than Congressman Jamal Bowman of the Bronx. Now, there's a history here because um, this is a man who went from being a founding principal at a middle school, being a Bronxite, uh, living in public housing before that, and now becoming the congressman for the 16th district in the Bronx and also joining the squad members in Washington, DC as a real bona fide progressive. Um, And you know, on this show, we talk about radical progressiveness because there's some people who say they're progressive and I don't know what that means, but this man is is really truly progressive and has a radical vision for our community. So Congressman Bowman, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank thank you so much for having me. Um, I I am starstruck because your leadership in our community for several years, if not decades, uh, has been transformative and an inspiration for me, uh, particularly your work and your leadership uh, with the Women's March um, when it first happened. So appreciate you and, and my son. Love you, brother, man. We were talking offline about how you came to the school and did a mediation uh, with our students when I was a principal. Thank, thank you for that. And thank yeah. you for your uh, join, response to Joyner Lucas and that BS he put out. Damn, what was the name of that song? Um, what was, um, damn, I'm going to I'm not a racist. What was I'm not it? A racist. I'm not a racist. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your response. I listened to that shit like 20 times, yo. So really appreciate that. Thank you both for what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be able to 
just see you elevate to this space, man. Just like you said, you know, I went to your school when you were a STEAM principal, man. And um, just the way the way that you brought me into the school, you know, was unconventional, but un you understood the times that we're in. You understood that we need different methods and different ideologies and understanding to get to our kids. Like there was a there was a confusion with two rival gangs, kids, right? And and it was just because they lived in different neighborhoods. That's right. It was, they didn't even have their own personal beef because when we tried to roll it down, roll back what it was, it was like, well, I said, so where did this problem start? Well, they from here and we from there. And he said something to me one day. And then, you know, we just naturally been beefing. I said, so when did it start? They said, I don't even know when the beef started. Like they, they couldn't even tell me with inception of this quote unquote beef that they had started. And, you know, we rolled back. We got a lot of a lot accomplished that day, you know, and it was just it was based on your leadership as a principal. So I just want to say congratulations and all the work that you do definitely motivates and inspires us as well. Thank you, know, thank you brother. You, Congressman, you mm -hmm. are a you know, I, I, I call you Jamal, but I'm going to try to you can call me Jamal. Please um, call me Jamal. These are our friends. We can't act like you. But, um, you know, you are you a hip hop head like you. you you in, you know what's going on. You in the culture, so that makes it all the better. And I know you don't have a lot of time today because your team—they've already told me don't play myself. So let's let's move it along. And I want to. We, well, we're trying to figure out. Well, we've now already talked about some of your early stuff, and I think people need to do some research because what often happens in our community is that people say, "Well." Uh, oh, no, he's already, you know, he's a Congress, but he don't understand. He don't get it. But understanding where you come from, um, you know, knowing that you at one point lived in public housing, understanding your your journey through the Bronx, becoming a principal, bringing people like my son into your school, which I didn't know about. So this is new information for me as well. Um, and now going to Washington, it would seem that's the story we're trying to really replicate in our communities over and over again. And um, now what we're trying to figure out, since you're there, it, we celebrated you. Now we need to go to the fact that we mad at all of y'all because ain't nothing happening. So tell us, what, why is there so much, uh, I, some people want to say stalling. I'm at the point where I just, I'm, I'm, I don't even know the appropriate word to describe what, how frustrated I am about the lack of action in Washington on policing, you know, now voting rights, um, and just so many other things. So why don't you just kind of, you talk, we'll listen. Yeah, so um, the short answer is Republicans don't want to do anything at all. And then we have a few Democrats who behave like Republicans. And you've heard the names Manchin and Cinema, and the way the Senate works, and because we have such a thin majority, if Manchin and Cinema aren't on board, even through a reconciliation process where all we need is 50 votes, then we can't move anything. Like that, that's the, the short answer. The longer answer is the filibuster. So the filibuster was put into place several decades ago, pretty much designed to stop civil rights legislation from moving forward and to uh, acquiesce um, to Southern Democrats who lived in racist KKK driven communities. And so any civil rights legislation we try to move forward, the filibuster, which means we need a supermajority, 60 votes in the Senate to pass legislation, is still in place. Because of that, 
you know, voting rights, uh, S1 and S4, uh, common sense gun reform, um, immigration policy, all of those policies that have already passed the House. And that, that's the thing, like it's, it's not all of Washington. It's like the House passed these bills already. Now it gets to the Senate and each Senator, especially with a thin majority, is almost like a president. They could they could thumb up or thumb down a bill, and the bill will not will not go anywhere. So that that's the short answer. The longer answer, and what you and I have talked about offline, Tamika, is we as a community, I don't think are doing enough to really build coalition and wield and use the coalition to engage Congress and the White House and to build power in Congress and the White House. And I'm saying that because, and we talked about this, there are other groups and other lobbies in Washington, the Fraternal Order of Police, fossil fuel industry, pharmaceutical industry, et cetera, et cetera. They'll make a couple calls and literally we'll be voting on a bill on Tuesday that we didn't know about on a Monday because people made some calls. Or they'll get a bill pulled uh, that we was like, yo, I thought we was gonna vote on this. And they're like, now nah, we decided not to, not, to, not to put that forward. They'll get it pulled on the same day as well. So the consistent engagement of members of Congress underneath or uh, around a black agenda, if you will, or agenda to uplift poor people and everything we're fighting for is, is what's needed both in the short term and the long term. So it's very frustrating. Now, good news is, this reconciliation package that we're working on right now, it seems like we're making forward progress in a way that's gonna really benefit the entire country, but particularly communities of color and black communities, investments in, in affordable housing, public housing, housing vouchers, uh, universal childcare, uh, Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid expansion, 3K programs. So this bill, has a lot in it. And the American Rescue Plan also had a lot in it as well with, with investments in public education. But in terms of overall, you know, Congress isn't responsive to like our demands or agenda, if you will, because I think we need to do a better job of organizing around it, building coalitions underneath that agenda, and then using it to wield power in Congress through the CBC uh, and other means as well. Is it frustrating for you being a congressman who got elected and on the right things for to do the right things and watching, you know, being involved in a situation like we see right now, just seeing how it's just not everything you're trying to do and all the things you want to do, just seeing it be installed and, and, you know, prolonged. So yes, um, it is. And it's, it's like deflating as well. Like, so a couple of weeks ago, while Black Haitians were being harnessed at the border with horse reins, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act was dying in the Senate without ceremony. Like it didn't even get that much coverage. Right. And for those two, as a Black man, for those two things to happen at the same time, and, and you know, we, we brought attention to what was going on with the Haitians at the border, which was good, but it still just felt like, damn, when it comes to our stuff, it dies without ceremony. But again, you know, other issues, like I'll give you an example. Um, the appropriate, we just went through our first appropriations process, which is how the federal government spends its money, both mm -hmm. here and abroad. And I had to fight and still fighting to move $2 million, let's say, from the borough of prisons to 
historically black colleges, uh, uh, minority serving institutions and, and, and black small businesses. Like I, I'm still fighting to move 2 million of like a $76 billion budget <laughs> to these areas. 2 million ain't nothing on a national level, it's nothing. But because of the way that the, the structure of white supremacy and European settler colonialism is entrenched in Congress, that's just how we do business. Same thing with trying to send more money to the Caribbean. Like we'll, we fund countries very well, you know, in Europe and the Middle East and other places, but like the Caribbean and the continent of Africa, when you compare the money that goes there versus other areas, it's clear to see that like, you know, no one really has fought for organized around in Congress for the stuff that matters most to our community. So yeah, I mean, look at how much frustrating, um, but it's also like, I see it as an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to do things differently. And like, it gives me a reason to go to work every day, like to, to put pressure on people on the inside and do enough work on the outside to make sure that begins to change. And it, and it is changing. I mean, we just, we just brought the vice president to the Bronx a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why that happens because we engage them in consistent conversations around the issues that we're talking about. And we was like, yo, you got to come to the Bronx and see it, blah, blah, blah. And that happened. But there's, there's obviously more work to do. Right. Well, yeah. I was going to say, when you talk about funding countries, the amount of money that we spend with Israel is, is huge, you know, and that mainly is for their um, military. And so I think that your point about how we're spending our resources and I'm not even, you know, obviously we have our own political position on the relationship between the U.S. and Israel, but we're not even talking about that, right? We're just talking about fairness. And that exists, that same conversation exists in so many different areas of how the U.S. government operates, right? So when we start talking about defunding police, it's the same, same exact concept. We're not even at the point of saying, let's just pull all of our money or, you know, and don't fund police at all. We're just at, can we please make sure that some of the resources are shifted to things that would keep police officers from even having to approach particular situations like mental health issues and, you know, things that the community can address on its own and, and of course, preventative services. And it seems like that's very difficult for people to understand. But since we're on that, Talk about the George Floyd Justice and Policing Bill. There are those who will have us, first of all, I think spending time trying to work with Tim Scott was a um, waste of energy. Um, and I also think in many ways, maybe some folks don't recognize it, but it became, it was a stall factor, right? Like they send us to talk to the token Negro who has really no power and over certain issues within the Senate, right? Um, and, and, and we spend so much time focused on that, knowing that it's going nowhere. Uh, and now we have nothing. So tell us, because there are some people who want us to believe in this moment that because of progressives being unwilling to bend on qualified immunity and some other issues, that that's the reason why the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act did not um, even go to the floor? Yeah, so great question. Um, couple things, right? So 
the, the, the myth of bipartisanship. Now, all things being equal, all things considered, like, you know, if Republicans were kosher and things were like they, if they were principled Republicans that just felt like we want the same thing, but we want to go about it differently, mm -hmm. um, that would be one thing. But that's, that's, that's long gone. Like it was gone, it's been gone for a while, mm -hmm. but Trump made it worse. Where like they, it's not, it's a, it's a party of Trump and it's Trumpism. So they just want to obstruct, 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 delay, delay, delay. So knowing that going into it with them as if there was going to be some bipartisan solution to this was was we were misguided in that. And right now, bipartisanship is, is a myth. The, the other thing is so so there was a stall tactic and then it ultimately fall apart, fell apart. We Democrats compromised on qualified immunity like we took that off the table. And we took other things off the table that they were saying were non-starters. So what happened is they kept moving the goalposts, saying, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, and would move the goalposts until it got to a point where uh, Senator Booker realized they weren't negotiating in good faith and we need, we need to kill the negotiations. But here's a key, key point. The Fraternal Order of Police were supportive of many aspects of the bill. Cory Booker got them to sign off on it. Yeah. But what happened is there's like a sheriff's union, and I'm forgetting the name of it right now. There's a sheriff's union in South Carolina where Tim Scott is from that was like, you cannot, we, we do not support any of this. And as opposed to responding, being responsive to the fraternal of the police, he was responsive to them. And that's what ultimately killed the bill. Now he's lying by saying, um, you know, uh, you know, they they wanted we wanted strings attached to the bill related to the police funding. So you know, so we were trying to defund the police. First of all, you try to pass any bill in Congress with with, and you want the Republican support, they're going to attach strings to everything we want to do. So I don't want to hear the 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 strings attached bullshit. That's that's BS. The other thing is, and going back to the defund the police piece, what we're saying is simple. Put the money where it needs to go so that we can stop crime from happening in the first place and stop violent acts from happening in the first place. Police are not equipped to respond to our needs in our community. At best, they can respond after the fact. We... No are trying to stop shit from happening before it happens. So we haven't, the federal government stopped investing in public housing 10 years ago, and they've been, they've been disinvesting in public housing for, for 30 years. Our communities were purposely redlined. We, we, we have food deserts and travel deserts in our communities. Lack of healthcare, underfunded schools, no job programs, et cetera, et cetera. This is by design. So instead of giving us jobs and education and what have you, they gave us police. So George Floyd tried to kind of bring all that together and move in the right direction when it comes to police accountability. But there's other aspects of that that we need to talk about as well. Probation, parole, um, uh, conditions uh, for people who are incarcerated, voting rights for people who are incarcerated. Like that, that's all part of that. In addition to mental health, substance abuse support, et cetera, et cetera, a true holistic approach. So now the House 
um, is, is moving to, you know, take parts of the Justice and Policing Act and hopefully move them forward as individual bills. Because if Republicans are saying, oh, we, we would have accepted this and accepted this and accepted that, okay, let's see, let's, let's, let's see what we can push through. But I, I gotta tell you, like, I, I, I think they full of it and they're gonna continue to try to obstruct, which is another reason why, again, we gotta run the right people for office, kill a filibuster, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm that, realizing that I'm giving a lot of long answers and I'm sorry about no, that. No, but we I'm need the answers because listen, brother, our people, our people is pissed off. You know, a lot of us, you know, we, we, we came to vote, we brought out people, we said, well, this is what we need. We need this to do this in the house and we need this. And, we, and even against our better judgment for, you know, for, cause we didn't believe completely and all the way in the administration, but we said it was better than what we had. And we, we get in hell. So we need answers too. You understand what I'm saying? We really need answers. And you one of the brothers that we know is definitely on the front line of this work that, that really wants what's best for our community. So. The, the long answers is needed because people are tired of the short. Oh, everything's fine because everything ain't fine. Yeah, you know. So, so what is the White House's responsibility to in all of this situation? And what is their responsibility? What can they do? What should they be doing? What do you? Think? So they need to provide a vision for where this country needs to go. Um, they need to provide a vision in terms of a black agenda. They've done some of that with the Justice for the Initiative, et cetera, et cetera. But then they need to be out there uh, like, like, like screaming from the rooftop, from the mountaintops, what that is. So that's what's happening now with Build Back Better. That's why VP Harris came to the Bronx. And, but whatever that vision is and whatever that agenda is, particularly that Black agenda, you have to engage our community, meaning go to the, go to the hood, talk with people, listen to people, engage them, pull them in. Like pull Tamika and my son into the White House, not just the legacy civil rights groups. No offense to them, but we we're the black community is a big tent and it's a diverse tent, and we all need to be a part of that conversation. Um, so it's the vision, it's the engagement, it's the communication, and it's the pressure. Like, what pressure is President Biden and the White House putting on mansion and cinema uh to move things in the direction that they need to move? What well, it's the opposite. Huh? It's the opposite. Yeah. They're telling us, which we're not listening, but they're telling us, don't go after cinema or and definitely mansion. It's almost like mansion is the president. I'm yeah. I'm confused at times. Who is the president of the United States? Because it seems like it's like it's almost like if you, you know, you 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 in a relationship with somebody, whether it be a business relationship or whatever, but you seem to constantly be talking about somebody else. Well, after a while, you start saying, well, if there's so much focus on this person, perhaps, we, you know, this relationship, this whatever we're in, it, it ain't nothing because mm -hmm. I need to be talking to him. And that's, mm -hmm. how, that's how we feel. But yet the white, not the White House, I won't say the White House because that's a lot of people. And that's another thing. We say the White House, right? And I get yeah. that that Joe Biden is the is the 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 whatever he's the main person, Command, commander in chief. He's, he's the, the commander, commander in chief, chief. right? Yeah. Exactly. But they have they have said several times that 
attacking, which that word, depending on how you want to use it and throw it around, you can be, um, you know, it can mean different things. But, but rather than engaging, whether that be in a confrontational manner or not, is not the right approach to addressing Joe Manchin. But yet we're hearing him say, or we're seeing him be an obstructionist mm -hmm. in the process. Yeah, I, so I, I disagree with that. Like, I, I, think, I think we need to engage all parties all the time, very aggressively, toward accomplishing our agenda. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that because I could tell you, and we've talked about this, if I do something that certain communities don't like, I'm going to get a thousand emails in my inbox that in one day. So that's what I mean by engagement. Like our community needs to be in coalition and have a letter writing campaign, email campaign, phone campaign, uh, actions at people's offices, all over social media, all over mainstream media, all constant, all the time, all the time, all the time. Like when we, you know, we weren't alive during the civil rights movement, but when we read about it and watch documentaries about all that, it seemed like they were relentlessly pursuing their agenda and their goals. And Dr. King shit had a direct line to, to, to uh, the president at that time, first Kennedy and then uh brother came out to Kenny, I'm forgetting. Um, but uh, I think I think Tamika, to your point, there needs to be consistent engagement from our community around the issues that matter most to us and our agenda. And we need to engage all 435 members of the House and all fifth, all 100 members of the Senate. Now, there's some we don't need to be bothered with because they're just gonna be who they're gonna be. So we don't need to spend energy on them, but at least two-thirds of both need to consistently hear from us all the time. And by us, I mean, you know, street from street politics to the NAACP and everything in between. Like it gotta be, you know, because I'm not, you know, and I'll just speak for myself. I'm not trying to stay in Congress 30 years and see what happens. Like, right. I'm, like right. I'm trying to, I'm here now. I just beat a 31 year incumbent no one thought we could, we beat him by 16 points. No one thought that could happen. But now that we're here, we got to try and hit it out the park like right. for the next five, 10 years. And then after that, we see where we are. Um, yeah. But yeah, people yeah. should be frustrated. But I want people to, we got to harness that frustration and channel it in the right directions because, you know, it's not enough to just, you know, have conversations around Thanksgiving table like we always do, right? It, it, it's, it's not enough for op-ed or, or story. It got to be it, everything at the same time, all the time. And we do want to hear about your vision. Of because course. Because we know you course. have a vision. And I think to your point about the White House having a vision, which Jamal, I have to be honest with you in saying, they'll tell you they have a vision. My issue is that it doesn't seem like they're working towards it. That's, that's the problem for me. Sounds yeah. like they have all of these ideas about what should happen, but... I don't see the boots on the ground and I don't see you all being used as surrogates to go out into the communities and, and make these things happen. And I'm trying to figure out why did I go live along with my son and, and Linda Sarsour and Angelo Pinto and others? Why did we, and woke vote and black voters matter, why did we move ourselves to, to Georgia? 
to fight to get the two Senate seats. And still we going back to, we don't have anything to go back to our people with. Yeah, yeah. So 100%, I'm gonna share the vision, but I wanna respond quickly to what you just said. So there was a Washington Post article, I think two weeks ago, about black men in particular um, and, and black people in general being, being disenchanted with the White House because of everything you just said, right. and rightly so. And I called around and texted around that day just to get a sense for what people were, were feeling about that. And still, there was some misunderstanding about the importance of communication and engagement. There was some. But then there were others who were like, yo, Jamal, we had a meeting about that article and the president was like, this is unacceptable. We got to do something about it. And when I heard that, you know, I spoke to Senator Schumer. I'm like, yo, like, this is the White House. Y'all got all the resources in the world. There's no excuse for this to be an issue. Put me in, coach. Like, I, I, I got a plan. Like, let's, let's enact it. So stay tuned on that. Hopefully they're listening and hopefully uh, we can move something. But in terms of the vision, I want to go back to my son was talking about um, when he came to my school and did that mediation with the two groups, two rival gangs that didn't even know what the beef was about, um, but they was beefing with each other. Like, you both know, how many kids die under them circumstances, right? Like, literally get, end up killed because of that kind of thing. Like, they just got beefed. They don't know why. Next thing you know, someone is killed. So there's a couple of components to my vision. One is reparations for our community, like do the study, get clear on what it is, and let's figure out what reparations look like for the for that Black community. That's, that's number one. And I think that'll deal with issues of wealth inequality and all of that. Um, education is another one. That would be number two. And it's not just, it can't just be so... It needs to be Black history and culture in schools. It needs to be project-based learning. It needs to stop being the over-testing that we're doing right now. And it needs to be a cu curriculum that unlocks uh, the brilliance of our kids. Our kids are brilliant. We're just teaching them. We're just teaching like it's 100 years ago. Like our kids are super creative, innovative. They got so much to offer. And they're waiting for us to get our stuff together and design a curriculum that way. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is, and we were talking about this offline, Education needs to work with healthcare, particularly in poor communities, particularly in poor communities of color. Why? Because there are kids with, with mental health challenges, substance abuse challenges, trauma in the family and home, and teachers and clinicians need to work hand in glove in meeting those needs. So that involves more mental health services, smaller class sizes. And this is something people don't talk about enough. It also involves more sports and arts and theater programs and other things. So education and healthcare being together is key. Another piece would be housing. Now reparations is connected to that to give people access to um, you know, mortgages and affordable housing and all of that. But our communities that have been redlined, like we, we need to really invest in those communities to reverse the impact of redlining. And this goes with environmental justice as well. Like that's part of it because we died from COVID because of our comorbidities. We have those comorbidities because our communities have been neglected. So that that's we gotta deal with deal deal with that issue. And then the 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 the, the last piece, and not really the last piece, because there's healthcare, criminal justice reform we talked about earlier, like all the components, not just police reform, but the carceral system, immigration reform, that's part of it. But I think maybe the most the most important piece is just the concept of Black self-determination. 
um, and, and, and Black and Pan-African liberation building. Meaning like, you know, we, we, we can't accept the mental disease that is European settler colonialism that has led many of us to believe that we're not kings and queens. Like, we have to like unlock that disease from our mind and really work towards Black self-determination. And once we do that, we change the world. And that's one of the reasons why I'm such a hip hop fan. It's not about the music, but I think hip hop captures that essence. It's like, fuck it, we gonna do it ourselves. And we just did something and, and changed the world. I'm in, I'm in Congress because of hip hop. People don't understand that. But when you understand KRS-One and Chuck D and Rakim and their impact on my life as a black man growing up, that's why I'm in Congress. But none of that happens if we're not in coalition with each other. Mm. And so, and I wanna go back to this. My office is lobbied constantly from all groups who want me to join, join, the, join the Albanian caucus, join, join, the, join the muscular dystrophy caucus, join this caucus, join, I'm constantly lobbied on this stuff, but I'm rarely lobbied by black institutions, even civil rights institutions. They don't call me like, yo, Jamal, I need you on this, I need you on that. I don't get those calls. And like that coalition that we're building needs to be together and y'all got to lobby the, the, the mess out of me and the CBC and other members of Congress. So none of that happens until we make it happen and we make it happen in coalition. Everybody's doing good work already. Um, but once we do that good work together in coalition with a strategic plan towards those goals, I think we move things forward. And now when you got myself and Corey and squad and in Congress, like use us, like we're, we're, we're ready to wield black power. We just need to know that the co the coalition has our back in it. I, I hear that. And you said a lot of things. I want to say one thing that you, when you brought about this education and the way that we teach our children, a lot of things, I was having this conversation with my son, 10 year old son, taking him to school one day. And he just started crying like he didn't want to go to school. And I'm like, why? He said, because school is killing my curiosity and my creativity. He said, we sit around all day. I'm supposed to be out here learning off the land. I'm supposed to be, when you go to school, it's just based on tests and scores. It's not based off learning. When you're outside, you learn. And he was, he broke it down so eloquently. And it's pretty much exactly what you said. And, and I've, I've been an advocate for teaching our children the way that they learn. You know, that, like you said, the school system is primitive and it doesn't go according. And that's why you have a very low graduation weight and attendee rate of black men, because it doesn't it doesn't grasp us. So I'm that I wanted to say that. And then next, I just I wanted to because I know we at the end of this. Right. But it's hard for us. Right. As blacks, just to go out and vote. We have in this country, we haven't really seen where the government has really benefited us. You know, and, and somehow we still understand the, the mission. You understand? We understand that at the end of the day, we got to still put people in position that can do things. But we've been, we've been constantly let down throughout the government, right? So what we're trying to figure out, what is the messaging that we do for this midterm? How? Because I don't know what it is. You know, we understand how dangerous the Republicans is. We see that. We know that because we are engulfed in this and we understand. But from... The, just a layman's perspective or just a regular person going to work every day, just seeing the news, seeing this, how do you engage them? How, how, how do we get them to say, I'm going to muster up this energy again and go out and do this, even though I ain't seeing shit happen. 
and I keep hearing it getting worse and worse for us. How do we engage? Yeah, so that this is the ongoing conversation we got to have like offline. We got to continue to talk about this because it's a great question, and we got to we got to plan for that because you're you're absolutely right. I think the, the the short answer is our coalition needs to have a clear agenda and we need to go out there and hold elected officials accountable to our agenda in every part of the country from dog catcher to school board to local elections to to federal elections like we got to go to candidate forums shoot them emails like engage them and ask them what do you what, what where did, where's your stance on this 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 and this and have them respond and then we follow up and then we follow up and then we follow up because you're right. It's not like come out and vote for X person. If I haven't even, I don't, what is that person's agenda? How is that person gonna, what are they gonna do to benefit my life? And then the other part, this is really, really important. It's good to have Jamal Bowman in Congress but like, I can't do it alone. What I mean by that is don't just send me off and expect me to do it. I, I need y'all with me as we continue to do the work because it empowers me to be more radical as I do the work. Like if I know I got a thousand people in Co-op City holding me down, for example, or in Mount Vernon or Yonkers, then it's like, I'll say whatever, I'll do and say whatever I want. So oftentimes I know we think it's like, many of us think, oh, I voted for this person, they in, but they ain't doing nothing. Well, how are you holding them accountable for doing something what they're, once they're in? Because I know for a fact they're hearing from other lobbies on a variety of issues. So it's both. Like, democracy is a contact sport, and, and we got to be in it on a day-to-day, like, grind. It's almost like breathing, especially as we're trying to, you know, build Black power in this country. Like, we got to be in it on a day-to-day basis like, like you two are. Well, Thank you so much, uh, Congressman Bowman, for being here and speaking with us. And I think part of accountability and support is funding. So how do we give you some money? Which, by the way, you had an event the other night, and my counterpart, Linda Sarsour, was invited, but I wasn't. She tried to get me to come with her, and I said, listen, (laughs) Black people don't just go to events that they were not invited to. Our parents said, they didn't invite you, don't go. So I told oh her, no, God. I would not be going so, because I so, was not invited. You and my sister Corey so came much, to my town so, and you know, they want my money. Yo, it's cra- isn't it crazy? Someone on my staff going to get in trouble. How Linda there? Linda ain't even my constituent, like nowhere near. <laughs> and y'all are, and, and, and y'all wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know what happened with that. But to your question, yes. Funding is really important. And let me also say this, the people who don't want the world to change, they are very well financed. That's right. Very well financed. So how do people find so, yeah. so, Bo- so you could go to bowmanforcongress.com slash donate. Uh, every little bit helps. Bowmanforcongress.com slash donate. And, you know, like I always say, the more generous people are, the more radical I, I can be. Um, well, thank and, you. Thank you, know, you so sure. much. And I'm even though I wasn't invited, I am going to go and give my donation right now, as my son likes to call it, investment in exactly. your radicalism, because I need you to be that. Um, and we're going to we're going to have we're going to organize a fundraiser for you with, a, a you know, a select group of individuals who I know want to be there to help you see your vision through. I was just talking to Ebro a couple days about you and the conversations that you guys have been having. So I want to, we want to pull that together. So we're committed to that. I, I appreciate that. I want to say one more quick thing. If, if hip hop 
and sports get involved in this, it's over. Yeah. Like, it's we win. Like well, exactly. That's what, it's just well, but you know what also happens? Tamika just had a, you know, we had on another show, she talked about Cardi B, right? And how Cardi B was very vocal on a lot of things that we're dealing with. And she got so much backlash yeah. from being vocal and, and standing up for what she believed was right in our people that hip hop artists and, yeah. you know, um, athletes, they don't want to deal with that. They, they want to be able to say these things and they want to be liked and comfortable. So the average person that's already rich and famous and, and, and getting this thing and says, yo, you know what? I don't like that. And gets backlash from his own fans yeah. and his own people that he's supposed to be protecting. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to be quiet and mind my business. It's true. But the money, they can help with the money. We need Listen, some money. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. And one of the things that I've done in my life is move elected officials and celebrities and others onto their next thing. So we are going to release you from this interview right now and say thank you so much for being hey. with us, Congressman. Peace and love. Thank you all. Peace and love. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? their year these are the moments of unscripted pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood you've waited all season for this it's time to take it to the next level the nba finals continue tune in on abc That's how we own it. congressman jamal bowman i think you know he's if we could ever just get the right people we we're putting them in the pipeline we just got to get them to 
the starting line, right? They got to be in the starting five. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the problem is that, unfortunately, we've got other people in the starting five right now who do not share our vision and they're dangerous. And that's just the reality. And I'm talking about Black folks. I'm not talking about like the Republicans. I'm talking about Black Democrats, right? That are just not on, they're not on, we're not singing on the same tune. I think what it is, is, you know, we have a lot of skin folk that ain't kin folk, <laughs> you know? And we, we, and a lot of people are just scared to me. Cause like, I, real, I realized, that people behind closed doors will support your, you know, what they call quote unquote ragged radical idealism, just just actual justice. What justice really should look like, they call radical. They want that, they support it. They just not gonna stand next to you until the world and everybody else is supporting. They don't want to wow. be part of the minority. They don't want to push the car. They want to ride it. They ain't going to help you when the flat come. They're not going to put no gas in the tank. But when you ride it and it's smooth, they're going to get in the back like, yeah, I'm with you. When you get a good paint job, but they don't see the vision like, yo, this car right here could really be something if we all got around it and built it up. They don't want to do that part. Mm. They want to go with the comfortability. So they know what's right and wrong and they support it in their mind and in theory. But they are not going to risk whatever position they have, whatever relationships they have, whatever the parties they can be invited to, to support, to stand up visually, verbally and say it. They're just not going to do it. I think that's true. I think that's true. But I would say that some of the individuals I'm talking about, they don't they are the party. They make the party. They're not looking to be invited or be comfortable when I think about. Representative uh, Clyburn, you know, this is not somebody who needs an invitation to an event or that is feeling like he just wants to be comfortable. This is somebody who fundamentally believes different than what we believe, right? He's he fundamentally believes that this or he is he is adamantly against defunding the police. Maybe he 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 agrees in theory. That he can't. The thing is this: he can't be against defund the police, right? Because the, the things that he acts like he wants to fight for, you you you're against the term, right? And right. if you if you and if you're a big enough person, right? If you can if you can get people, if you can get black people to vote for Biden after all the shit he did, if you can get support behind that and and say, "Nah, fuck all what y'all talking about. This is what we need right now," right? Then you should be able to say, I know what my people mean by defunding police. No, and I, I'm do, going, I agree with you. And yeah. I'm going to equate that and make us all be in coalition instead of separating us. No, I, I agree with not, that. I okay. agree with that. I agree with that. But I think that even he, at this point in his life, has become so disconnected from like Ray Ray. And what is happening on the ground, very hyper, hyper, hyper locally, that in his mind, police being in our communities is working, except there's some bad apples or there's some changes that need to be made. We accept that that may be the reality because we may not be able to completely remove police. But our fundamental belief is on the far other side of that argument that we need less police. I mean, to the point where maybe a few officers that you could call on and more community programs 
I don't I think we would be on two different if we started having this conversation with uh with um Congressman Clyburn right now, we would be completely on two different sides of the table about this issue. But we both agree about what we want to see happen for our communities. How we get there, there is a fundamental difference. Someone newer, sort of younger Black folks that are going into Congress, like a Cori Bush, like a Jamal Bowman, these are individuals who are now, who now, who, who see and understand what we're saying. So I think that the people who are in the starting five, they are so disconnected from, 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 from our position that until they are able to retire and move on, we're going to continue to see clogs in the pipe. Because the attitude that we should be careful going after cinema Right and and mansion two senator two senators who supposed to be Democrats and all the rest of the Democrats for the most part are agreeing that certain bills need to be passed. They are supporting uh, certain legislation and also uh, are aligned to some degree with our vision, except these two people. Mm -hmm. Right, and they mm -hmm. telling us be easy with them. We're working on it. what. Like, it doesn't make sense. But I promise you that a Cori Bush and a Jamal Bowman and others who, uh, who are in who are part of either the squad or just progressives in general, they're like, yo, to his point, engage them aggressively every single day. And I think that's the advice that we have to follow. So, so when people who are, who have the most radical vision, they're really deeply into this thing and they and they want to see major change happen that's in our favor when they are not funded and supported by the community they become beholden to those who will support them and that is where you start to see because you cannot be a congressional member a leader or anything and not have food to eat and close on your back and be able to take care of your family and have the resources necessary to continue to win elections and to have discretionary funds that you can use to support certain things within your community. You can't, it can't be done. It just Without, can't be done. Without so support, you have, you have to be supportive. Supported, yeah. Support is mandatory. There's no way that as any official or leader or anything that you can do something without support. You just can't do it by yourself. We're not supporting, we're not financially supporting them. The communities that come and say, hey, these are our issues and we're gonna support you. We're gonna make sure that we come out. We're gonna do all the things necessary are the people that people are gonna cater to. So I know that we want a lot done, but we have to be intentional. We have to be steadfast. We have to be persistent and constant and what it is that we want. So you know what I don't get? I really just don't get how Rikers Island is still open. Like, you know, throughout the years, they got documentaries. You've heard the stories of how there's so much corruption going on, how people are getting stabbed, how it's just so much. Like Rikers Island is a cesspool for what's wrong with this justice system. You know, and last week, I pretty much posted 
of uh, uh, photos that have been taken inside holding cells inside Rikers Island where you got people sleeping on the floor with plastic bags on them. You know, it, it just was so inhumane. And it's like, how? But they care about COVID. COVID, COVID, COVID. Yeah, COVID, COVID, COVID. But you got these people in these closed cells with plastic bags sleeping on the floor in cells. And, and I've been in Rikers Island, so tell you the, 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 the dirt and the mold and shit that's inside these cells and the old piss that you can still smell in the toilet bowls that ain't really been cleaned. You know, it, it's just... It's not even, it's no way that I can describe it. And just seeing it, constantly seeing it and seeing that it's still the same way as it was 20 years ago when I, when I was in there. It's just unbelievable. Even on a visit, it's nasty. Like, Rikers Island, like you said, you said the, the best thing. It's successful of all the things that's wrong with the justice system, right? And it's so, for this city of New York, and Mayor de Blasio to have a mandate where people can't even go to a restaurant unless they are vaccinated and then turn around, right? And, and, and allow a facility to just fester COVID. And, 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 you know, and the thing about it, right? And there's a lot of people who like, well, if they didn't do the crime, you do the crime, you gotta do the time. And, and, and the thing about it, just for education, even though I don't agree with that sentiment at all, because human beings are human beings. And you, most of the people are in it for low-level crimes. But the reality is they're being accused. of right. Most of those people in there have not even been found guilty of what they They haven't gone to trial. They haven't gone to trial. They haven't done nothing. This is a holding facility. So it's not this whole theory about, oh, if you do the crime, some of them people are finding out they didn't do the crime or two they or three days later. Crime or they're in their trial process, but regardless, exactly. they're not, because when they're found guilty, they are sent upstate or wherever, or released, the, the, you know, based upon Depending whatever on what, the, the sentence is. So exactly. it's like, it's, I'm just saying in general, it is hypocritical for the city to say, we care so much about COVID, we care so much about wellness and health, health and this and that, and then to have people piled up on top of one another inside of these facilities it, 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 uh, on Rikers Island. And to your point, it should have been closed once, um, uh, what's, what's our young brother's name? Khalif Browder was killed. Well, he wasn't yeah. killed, but once he killed himself as a result of all the things we know happened in Rikers, not what we think, we know what happened in Rikers. And yet and still, the facility stays open. Now, it's interesting that, that we are, are talking about that because, and I want us to invite someone on that may be able to talk to us next week about this issue with Rikers because there are people, even our own friends, who say things like, well, if you close Rikers, then what do you do? It goes back to the original conversation about defunding these systems that are about incarceration, that are about um, uh, uh, incarceration and punitive measures 
for things that need to be taken care of in completely different fashion. So for instance, I have several family members who are correction officers on Rikers Island that will tell you half of the population has severe mental illness and they are they're in prison, in jail rather, and they're not being cared for. And the, the correction officers are not trained and don't have the temperament to deal with the mental illness of people who are in there. So the, the, the issue is the facility has been open and left that way for jobs, because I've also had family members who said, don't be out here talking about clothes and Rikers, because then where are we going to work? What? Like, just think about what you're saying. Keep people incarcerated that... To their point, they also want to argue, well, they slicing our faces, um, you know, they're, 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 they're violent. Well, they're violent, many of them, because they, they have other issues that are not being addressed. So why would you want them to be inside of this jail with you? It just, right. it's, the mo- it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like everything. It's oxymoronic. And, and everything in our society is like this, like the shit just don't be making sense, period. As you're 100% right, man. You know, I'm hoping that we get to a stage because we just so divided. Like, I realize our people are dealing with so many different issues, right? There are so many different understandings and classes, and we deal with classism. We deal, we deal with racism as just Black people. But within our Black community, we deal with classism. We deal with colorism. We deal with so many different things and ideologies. And a lot of times, people that you think should understand certain things that we're dealing with. They don't because their reality is just so it's so far from what some of us are actually dealing with. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. hard. And you love and they're good people. It's not that they're bad people. It's just that they don't really understand the whole system. They don't understand especially this injustice system. Me actually being formerly incarcerated, I have conversations with people and I listen to them in a way that they view, you know, jail and how people should be locked up and what should be going on and how it's good for them and all that. And, and trying to, you know, until I'm able to really break it down to them. And, and even then they'd be like, oh, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But because they're so far removed from that reality, you know, they, it's, it's not something that they can even consciously understand. And then I've watched people who have been, never been involved in the Lord and prior to all of these situations had to go through stints inside prison and come home with a completely different mind frame understanding like damn this this is really crazy like what they doing in here is, is really like slavery and the way they treating these and, and they start to identify so you know it's just a lot of you know moving parts when it comes to this injustice system and, and prison in general i just hope that we recognize what's going on in rikers right now and you know and we start really advocating for our brothers and sisters who are there because they literally are killing these people like they're literally the inhumane COVID if you talk about COVID what's going on is that a lot of people I know said they had COVID almost died they had to sit in the cell they're giving them locking them in the cell you know they're not really giving you no real medical attention they just got to fight it but that's not just in Rikers that's in all the jails yeah that's what I'm saying so calls about it every day so you know, hopefully, man, something starts to change, man. But until then, man, close it. Close Rikers close down it. now. Close it down. So once again, that brings us to the end of another dope episode. Shout out to Congressman Bowman, who we had, who was very informative. 
you know, um, gave us his vision, gave us his frustration, just gave us a whole glimpse of what is going on. A lot of us don't really be knowing. We just see what's on the news and we hear and we frustrated, man. But his brothers like him who give me just a little bit of hope. If we can get five or six people like that on one team, you know, and we can rally behind them, then I can really see some change coming, man. So I appreciate his interview. And, um, you know, like we do, man, we, we're going to keep on doing what we do. If you got any suggestions for the show, let us know. Tell us if you love us, if you hate us. You know, we are the number one show in the world. So we truly appreciate being number one. When you tell people that we're number one and we're not, then they might not feel like they got to go get, you know, more downloads and get more people involved. Nah. So that's why I when I tell people we number one is because the, the, those little bit of stats they talk about that that's cool. But number right. one, like I got people that come up to me in the street, be like, "Yo, I love your podcast. My favorite podcast in the world." So we number one to people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we number one to us. So now the world's gonna transfer into number one. If you start, you gotta say it. You gotta, you gotta manifest. You gotta, yeah, you gotta talk it into existence, man. Manifest your destiny. All we right. are the number one podcast in the world. Cool. You know? And even though me and Tamika don't agree, we agree on that, you know? So we're not going to always agree. We're not going to always disagree. But we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. All right, peace. Salute. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. Catch us every single Wednesday, the video version of Street Politicians on iWoman.tv. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com iPhone for details.